Welcome to Upbringing, where Hannah and Kelty, twins, mothers, and works in progress. Upbringing is a movement that empowers parents to grow up alongside their kids for sanity and social change. Through this podcast, speaking and coaching, we focus on our personal work as parents, the awareness, intention, and approach needed to raise amazing humans while we also get some shit done. Join us to radically redefine kids' resistance as an opportunity to nurture skills and values like consent, nonviolent communication, emotional intelligence, body positivity, and respect. We attempt this by practicing powers beyond control, evidence-based tools that protect our kids' personal freedoms, support their skill building, and better align with how we roll as people. To us, this is the practice of parenting, when we can choose trust over fear, connection over control, and progress over perfection. We're not just raising our kids, we're raising ourselves. Let's show up and grow up. After this brief intro, you'll hear the audio from our latest live Instagram Q&A. Our live sessions are so much fun. We basically Mm -hmm. show up and connect, commiserate, and build skills alongside our upbringing community. Folks write in ahead of time or chime in with questions and struggles around kids' big feelings and challenging behaviors. We typically explore five to 15 questions and offer our take, our instincts, our goals, helpful phrasing, and ways to parent with alignment and integrity using our resist approach. Thank you for being here and for supporting us. And if you'd like to give your family and upbringing some extra support, please visit our website at upbringing.co to learn about our upcoming membership community, as well as our shop, which is now full of informative guides and inspiring prints based on everything we've shared here on the podcast these past two years. Wow. Two years. (laughs) Thanks for growing up alongside us one conversation at a time. Here we go. Hello, everyone. Hello. I'm Hannah. This is Kelty. We're upbringing. We are here for our weekly live Q&A, specifically tonight to talk about why we lose our shit and what to yeah. do about it. I mean, right. I lose my shit about a lot of things, but we're mostly talking about why we lose our shit with our kids and what to do about it. Yeah. Right? Let's zero in on that today. Okay. Yeah. Let's just keep it in that narrow, <laughs> it's like actually a huge uh, space right. to be in. Well, I think so much of what we talk about at upbringing is talking about how to relate to our kids, Mm -hmm. how to relate optimally, how to relate in a way that aligns with our values, Mm -hmm. how to relate to our kids, especially during challenges with their big feelings and challenging behaviors uh, in ways that are going to teach what we actually want them to learn, right? Mm -hmm. That's a lot of the work that we're doing. But so many folks who work with us, and we ourselves have experienced this before, are like, I would love to, I'm on board, I get Mm -hmm. it, I'm all over this, uh, cognitively, consciously, Uh, I love the mantras. I love the helpful phrasing. I have the intention here, but I cannot get to that moment where I am using powers beyond control with my child because there's something in my body that says, no, not going to happen. No, 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 no. Right. This is too hard. Or it says fight, flight, freeze, freak out. Right. We've all been there. Yeah. I think that we can just spend like 20 seconds just saying too that most of us know research shows that freaking out on our kids, raging on our kids, yelling at our kids, isn't the best for their development, sure. isn't the best for their brains, <clears throat> isn't the best for our relationship. It doesn't mm-hmm. show them 
mama means business necessarily doesn't show them this is right and this is wrong it shows them a lot of other stuff that we don't want them to to be learning right mm -hmm. and so that's why i think that we're talking about this tonight we're going to be bringing jen luminlin from your parenting mojo on to connect about it because she's just like a triggers expert, a yeah. self-regulation, like calmness expert. Oh, my, my blood pressure just goes down every time we talk to her. Um, you may recognize her. Those of you listening on the podcast or here on Instagram, um, we've referenced her before in mm -hmm. terms to our right from the start baby course. We've collaborated with her on that. Um, but self-reg for, for parents, right, is mm -hmm. something that we don't offer at, at upbringing yet. So much of the work is mostly about once we've can calm ourselves a little bit more. This is how we want to relate with those powers beyond control. So Jen has this offering mm -hmm. of the missing puzzle piece for a lot of us that can actually help us get to the work that, that Kelty and I do, if that makes sense. Yeah. I just heard a door slam. Um, yeah. I think that there's maybe some, some triggered feelings in the house already. Um, <laughs> between our, our husbands are both here. Mm -hmm. All four kids are here. Um, we might get some knocks. We might get some door slams. We might get some people yeah. trying to break in through the windows which has been oh, known sure. to happen. Um, but we know you'll all understand. We're all in this together. Yeah, we were going to talk a yeah. little bit about what triggers us most. Mm -hmm. And we made a list earlier today from everyone's um, write-ins through our stories about what triggers them most. What were some of the things in there? Some of the things, let's in. see here. We pulled our community. So scream, when our kids scream, refuse, mm -hmm. food, sleeping, bathing. Mm -hmm. When they interrupt younger siblings' naps. Oh, man. That was one of my huge When they're ones. eating really messily. Folks get really triggered, right? Mm -hmm. um, with their kids' anger, just in general, when mm -hmm. they destroy stuff, when they get kind of in like destructo mode, mm -hmm. um, when they're sibling fighting, mm -hmm. when they snatch toys away mm -hmm. from someone else or something from us, mm -hmm. uh, when they climb on our bodies or touch our faces. Uh, they, they just kind of kept rolling in all these unique but universal mm -hmm. moments where this isn't just like regular parenting where we're like, oh, that was a little challenging. Trauma. We, we, uh. go, we go into like a serious reactive rather than responsive um, situation where mm -hmm. in our brains, it's like red alert. This is an emergency. I have mm -hmm. to shut this down. I have to punish this. Mm -hmm. I may not even be consciously thinking. All I'm thinking of is get me out of here or make it stop, mm -hmm. right? That's oftentimes when... We experience those big feelings and heightened emotions. Our window of tolerance is only so big in that moment. Mm -hmm. And we as parents, we scream, we, we yell, we look really scary to our mm -hmm. kids. We basically go into these survival responses mm -hmm. that are kind of cloaked in this conventional parenting paradigm mm -hmm. of control um, that we think of. They, they kind of overlap in some ways, our natural instinctual responses and a lot of the ways we think that kids learn. So it gets mm -hmm. a little bit murky there, right? Yeah. It's really mm -hmm. hard, though. I think mm -hmm. Jen's going to be talking so much about trauma, big T, little t, uh, where mm -hmm. this all comes from in our bodies and our histories yeah. um, and through conventional conditioning, uh, parenting, pop culture, all these things mm -hmm. that, that tell us to act in a certain way. And then there are those moments where we we're just overtaken and... Um, hijacked essentially. Yeah. And that's where our real work is. And I think that Jen is like the superhero about it, saying, how can we widen that window that you were mentioning, Hannah? Yeah. Make it a little bit bigger and a little bit longer, make a little bit more space to help us feel a little more patient, a little more calm, a little more in our prefrontal cortex yeah. where thinking and <clears throat> rationality and reason and, um, yeah. you know, all the good kind of adulting skills um, are housed. I think a lot of us want that because mm -hmm. it doesn't feel good to lose our shit with our kids. It doesn't yeah. feel good to rage on our kids. It doesn't feel good to use control 
on our kids. And we want to be choosing powers beyond control. Mm -hmm. And we can very easily go into either we're blaming our kids for putting us through Mm -hmm. things or pushing us beyond or very often in the folks in our community say, I just feel so bad. I feel shameful that I lost my shit with them. And so we just want to normalize that. This is not a pathology. There's nothing wrong with you. No one's right? in trouble no one's for in losing tr- it. It's okay. No one's in trouble with any yeah. of that. I think I want to create a safe environment to say we've all been there and we mm-hmm. still are there very often. And this is the work we're doing. And that's why we're offering this, this um, conversation with Jen Lumenlin, why we're offering our work and mm-hmm. our resources to you all. And we'd love to hear what triggers you with mm-hmm. your kids. For those of you who are here on the Instagram live, type in what are those moments and those things that really just fucking push you over the bend mm-hmm. where you immediately go from zero to a thousand. Mm-hmm. For me, <coughs> excuse yeah, me, tell us, do tell personally. <laughs> uh, if I had to narrow it down, mm-hmm. um, I would say that, I think, um, when my kids ignore me, mm-hmm. um, and there's something like a time, uh, pressure mm-hmm. and I need them to listen to me or hear me mm-hmm. and I'm working really hard and just over and over and over. Mm-hmm. And then they're just ignoring me when they turn their backs to me. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, Oh my God. Uh, I, I like, mm-hmm. I just lose it. I feel so helpless in that moment. That's mm-hmm. like one of those moments where I, I struggle not to just blow. Yeah. Um, that's what someone yeah. typed in similar said when I have to say something the zillionth time. Yeah. Oh, that mm-hmm. feeling like a broken record is a huge, um, trigger yeah. for a lot of people. Um, Betsy shared when they just keep saying, mom, 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 without trying to locate. Oh, so the opposite kind of. Yeah. Funny. Okay, we're we're not pretty sure child. I do that to the kids. Too. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's where they learned it. Mm-hmm. Someone said when she's behaving and then all of a sudden hits or punches the baby or pushes oh, the baby. Yeah. Those surprise terms of aggression oh, where they yeah. like came out of nowhere. You weren't prepared for it. Yeah, those yeah. moments that came up in our group, small group coaching recently, mm-hmm. they thought they were having a lovely time with their kid. They're just sitting there reading and all of a sudden they get punched in the face and you're just like, what the fuck? Um, I totally Why? get that. Why? Why? And the same thing someone else mentioned when they mess with my laundry. Mm. Folded oh, piles man. that take time. Oh, I have to get them all on the bed and then my son will just dive into the pile yeah. and he thinks it's funny because he knows the reaction that I get mm-hmm. and I don't usually get that way. Yeah. But so yeah, disrupting, hey, parenting. disrupting work that we've done, yeah. destroying, backtracking us yeah. in our efforts, anti-productive things like that mm-hmm. are so triggering for me. Oh yeah. Messes are one of my biggest triggers. And mm-hmm. I think that we, maybe Jen will want to dive into where that came Why? from in my childhood. Uh-huh. Um, I know mom <laughs> tends to be a little bit on the, on the, I don't want to say neat freak, but you know, orderly, liking things, feeling a certain way or, mm-hmm. you know, or projects feeling, being, yeah, and feeling yeah. sensitive to certain tactile or visual situations. Mm-hmm. That's how I like to describe my, my, mm-hmm. um, my situation around it. But I think one of my biggest triggers that I've noticed, especially through the pandemic and a little mm-hmm. before is noise screaming, not just screaming, being like crying. And I think that maybe some people can make distinctions about this. Yeah, someone like, said here, both kids crying at the same oh, time. Oh, at the same time. That's huge. For yeah. me, it's wily, laughy, dysregulated screaming. So not crying and sobbing, not yelling because they're really upset, but this kind of like strange energy. It feels like a toxic <clears throat> energy and I don't know where it's going to go and I don't know what's going to happen. And I feel like someone's probably going to get hurt. And then I end up blowing my lid and screaming. So that type of screaming and uh, energetic engagement that increases your anxiety to the point Mm of, oh my God, I have to do something. Um, Mm -hmm. As Rosalia mentions, especially for a hashtag recovering control freaks. Oh yeah. Yes. Yep. Someone else said when she yells and cries for everything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You're like, just use your words. Mm -hmm. Right. A lot of us are very sound sensitive Mm -hmm. also. So high pitched stuff. Someone in one of our, Mm -hmm. um, 
small group coaching was talking about how just the loud outbursts that are mm-hmm. surprising, yeah. they make her just go into an immediate rage, immediately, hands on the table, mm-hmm. want to literally flip the table mm-hmm. over. Um, all of us have such unique triggers mm-hmm. where maybe someone else, my husband hears the yelling and the screaming, he's just like, da, 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 just keeps eating, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Where it is literally, it's like ch- nails on chalkboard, harmful to my body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what's so interesting, thinking about these uh, feeling triggered by our kids' behaviors mm-hmm. and big feelings and all this stuff is so very personal yeah. because it is personal. It's not just, oh, your opinion and my opinion. No, it's like, it's my body's issue. My it's body's my history. history. It's my history. Yeah. It's my makeup. It's my brain. It's my trauma. It's my wiring. It's all my things. Yeah. Someone else said, Meg, hey, messes are a trigger for me too. I'm so glad for this topic today. It was a high anxiety day, which when my anxiety is high, I'm much more of a yeller. Oh, yes. Sure. Absolutely. Molly said, when they mindlessly violate a boundary, example, touch something that they're not allowed to. Yeah. Yeah. Another big trigger for me is any type of kind of zany misbehavior in public spaces. Oh. I can deal with it at my in-laws. I can deal with it at home. I can deal with it in the wild. But if it's in public spaces, if it's like, where's that coming from that I'm worried about being embarrassed, getting in trouble getting kicked out. Mm-hmm. Where's this coming from? You know, these all good questions. You're trying to find Jen. I'm going to invite Jen here. She was kind of watching and waiting in the wings here. Someone else said, when my daughter covers her ears and says, not going to listen and ignores me. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Someone else said, when the wrestling gets a little wild between siblings. Mm-hmm. Yes. All of these are such triggering moments. I think mm-hmm. I'm just picturing everyone just like they're doing their dishes. They're making dinner right now. Being like, oh yeah, that, fuck, that sucks. And so much about talking about our triggers and working on our triggers is not, it is an individual one person um, kind of endeavor, but it's also very communal mm-hmm. that knowing that we are not the only ones. There's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with us. There's nothing wrong with our kids. Um, when we struggle to support them the way they're showing up in the world today, mm-hmm. this week. Yeah, but I think we're we all this such, together. It's a shame. Molly just said she's the opposite out in public. She is her best self mm. because of the public eye. Mm-hmm. And I think that because the public eye, I turn into like a crazy person. Like, don't tap tap. What are you doing? Grab that. Like, uh-huh. put that down. I don't get off your hands and knees. What are you doing? Um, and I think that, that it's so interesting thinking, where's this all coming from? I don't know where I was coming from there. I was going somewhere and then you started like messing with the screen. Sorry. Should I not be here yet? Okay. Okay. I might go check my phone really quick because I didn't bring it in while you're talking. I bet she'll be here. Talk about sensitive and strong-willed kids as well. I think so often we we talk about working with them and not in a, a way to pathologize them, but in a way to raise our consciousness that even if we were completely on top of our triggers and our childhood trauma and all these things that we would still be struggling, right? Mm -hmm. Because based on our kids' unique nervous systems, right? Their sensitivities, the way they experience the world, their strong will, the way they express what they need in the world, it can be really challenging. And it can be extra triggering because of the demands that they put on us by just being themselves, right? Yeah, that's the hardest for sure. Well, Jen is here. We're going to invite her on. We're going to learn some stuff. Mm-hmm. About how to tame our triggers. I think she can ask to be on, maybe re- request to Let's join. So she's unable to join for some reason. Mm-hmm. Maybe check that little video one. Let's see here. Some other people are asking to join. Mm-hmm. Sorry, we won't be taking any other guests today. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Where was I going with that thing about what Molly said about the store? Mm-hmm. I can't remember. Oh, just, I think that, that, that feeling that we have to look perfect and we have to be perfect, which can often lead us to feel extra disappointed and, and upset. Our she society just, sets us up for she, failure. Yeah. She basically she sent a request. So okay. I think we might be good. But yeah, that feeling like, God, we got to be on top of this. Don't yell. Don't lose it. Don't show them that you can't handle this child. Um, it's just so tricky. Um, that feeling, that shame we feel often. That disappointment we feel that we can't juggle all the things and be all the things and be cool, calm, easygoing. Kind of like the parent we pictured in our mind. Hi, Jen. Hello. Open. Just adjusting volume here so I can hear you. We're having uh, difficulties on this end. Kara's oh, <laughs> got home from uh, her unschooling program and was in a little bit of a tizzy. So. <laughs> oh, had like five. <laughs> <laughs> including our own yeah be honest yeah and i'm just gonna plug my headset in because you're sort of cutting in and out a little bit and i want to be able to hear clearly sounds good great well folks from our community have been uh letting us know what their current triggers are what has been the top <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we've, it's been really fun hearing uh, how unique these um, reactions that we have are and also how um, ubiquitous they are, how we can relate in so many different ways. Mm -hmm. um, do you want to give a quick introduction uh, uh, about you really briefly? We, we mentioned just how much we love you and love, mm -hmm. have loved working with you and how much we value the work you do here and in so many ways. But just a quick for those of you who um, are listening on the podcast and here on Instagram who haven't met Jen yet, um, mm -hmm. giving just a quick brief introduction. Yeah. Hey there. It's great to be here. I always love chatting with both of you. Um, so I, my name is Jen and I host the Your Parenting Mojo podcast and it's been running since 2015, 16, I think, um, and started out by really looking at uh, scientific research on parenting and child development and since then I've sort of broadened and deepened uh, realizing that the scientific research is really based in our culture and if we think that there are parts about our culture that are harming <laughs> some people especially but all of us <laughs> uh, to a greater or lesser extent then then doing what the research says is potentially going to get us more of the same so uh, really using what the research says uh, as best we can and also looking beyond that and saying, well, what, what do we actually, what world do we want to live in and how can we co-create that world together? What do we need to be in our families and in ourselves uh, to be able to do that? So um, that's one of the reasons I love working with you because <laughs> we have similar visions and philosophies, I think. We do. And we focus uh, on different things as well. And that's, you, you are such a missing piece of our community. Mm -hmm. And that's why we love talking with you and offering this Taming Your Triggers workshop to the folks we know because we don't have that and we can't offer that. So all we can do is kind of like serve it up to everybody. Um, we do it ourselves every year as we go along. So many of our community have taken your course before and loved it. A few people writ have written in here too, saying that they just caught your webinar. Oh, time. really? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Excited to hear more. I'm also curious, what are your triggers, Jen? Mm -hmm. I think oftentimes... <laughs> The expert, you know, with the double master's degree and who's got this, you know, award-winning podcast and you know, she must never, ever experience <laughs> or big feelings or lose her cool one bit. Yeah. Um, 
<laughs> Not quite. I will say that one of my bigger ones isn't uh, such a big one anymore. For, for the longest time, I had my worst trigger was being interrupted, um, as, particularly by my husband. And it was actually, it, it was during an interview on intergenerational trauma, talking through it with the expert that I'm like, ding, the reason this is happening is because when I was a teenager, there was a period of time where I had so many shortcomings and my father would lecture me for what seemed like at least an hour every night and I was not allowed to say anything. I was not allowed to interrupt. I would just kind of zone out, pretend I wasn't there, say mm-hmm at regular intervals. And so whenever my husband, who you know now is the person who's, who, until my daughter was born, was the most important person to me, um, sort of stepped into that role and became the person who would interrupt me and I would just lose it. I mean, it would, there, would, there was no gap between him saying, well, what about, or, uh, you know, have you thought about? And I was like, and I was just about to tell you that. <laughs> and since I learned that that's, oh, that's where it came from, that that has not been triggering to me as much anymore, which some parents do have that. It's like this insight and the insight alone is enough to make that shift. From what most parents find is that it's really exploring this stuff in community and uh, healing in community with others that m transforms it from being something that uh, is all consuming to us when our child does something like spills glitter on the floor or answers back or refuses to do what we say, which uh, is, is something I have struggled with <laughs> over the years too. Um, and and that's, that's how we take it from something that is uh, immediately triggering to us to something that uh, we can navigate with, uh, with a plum, <laughs> as it were. So you're saying that awareness is one of the first steps and a huge yeah. step in just being able to get purchase on why we respond so strongly and negatively to our kids. Because I think when you think of the reason this is happening, the reason we lose our shit with our kids, culturally, the reason is that they're not acting appropriately or they're yeah. not listening or they're not doing whatever we want. Or the reason is we can go to a, a shame response and be like, because I'm not enough, because I'm not strong enough, because I'm not consistent enough. And I think what you're saying is, is that those are really two easy kind of ways that we go about making sense of uh, why we respond so negatively, but that there's something else within us, not a bad thing, but an experience or a situation or conditioning of sorts that lead us to just to, to have the responses that we do. And I think for a lot of us, we're like, I had an okay childhood mm -hmm. and early adulthood. And my parents and I are like this, we're fine. We're, I go to Christmas. <laughs> um i'll answer i'll pick up you know mm -hmm. this is mm -hmm. why i don't need to go to a therapist why would i acknowledge and how can i acknowledge you know with the privilege i have maybe of the childhood i had that i'm actually experiencing triggers in these challenging moments with my child that it's not them and it's not me but it's an experience that i'm currently living with still years later mm -hmm. yeah yeah, I think that's really important to acknowledge um, that there are some parents, a lot of parents I work with in the Taming Your Triggers workshop uh, have experienced trauma of some kind. And that could be what psychologists call big T trauma, which is, you know, the really big stuff. Somebody died. Um, you, you had a parent who was living with addiction in your household. Uh, the little T trauma is things like bullying, um, you know, the little things that kind of compound and just make life more difficult. But there are plenty of people who look back and they're like, ah, I, I don't see anything. Like, I can't point to anything. And what I've realized through uh, doing this work for years now is that 
the way our culture, uh, just existing in our culture, <laughs> brings a kind of trauma for us. So when our parent, who was loving, who wanted us to succeed in the world, said to us, you know, um, oh, I know how much you love art, but it's not, it's not a real thing, right? It, it's never going to pay the bills. So, so get your homework done. And now when we, whenever we want to do art, we're like, but it's not a real thing. It's not important. And, and I can do it when everything else is done. Um, or, or maybe we feel as though we can't even do that anymore because that, that joy was kind of taken away from us. Or maybe our parent is, looked out at our fat phobic, fat shaming culture and said to us, you know, honey, are you sure you want to eat that? You're a little chubby right now. You know, do, is, is this really something you want to eat at the moment? And our, our parent was thinking, I want the best for my child. I want my child to succeed and I'm doing everything I can to make that happen. And that experience represented a trauma for us. And, and again, this compounds over and over again, the ways that we, our parents try to shape us to fit into our culture. And that itself re represents a kind of trauma. So even if you can't point to any specific thing and say, yes, that was it, that was it. Just this experience of living in our culture has this kind of impact on us. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's so huge. Mm -hmm. And I, I, yeah, cause I think a lot of us, I'm like, I'm a privileged white lady. I had a great childhood, like trauma. <laughs> what are you talking about? Well, and, 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 and I think at the, at the risk of jumping on the, like, we're all traumatized bandwagon, which is, can be a, a sensitive topic for, um, for a lot of reasons. I think that maybe you can tell us a little bit about the trauma of unmet needs currently too, which I think a lot of people can connect immediately to. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there are so many of us who are not getting needs met right now. And again, as a privileged white person, I am relatively lucky in this regard. Um, there are many people who are not getting more needs met than we are. Uh, I, I think that one of the main needs we are missing out on is a sense of community right now. Um, we, we are taught that our failings are our failings and thus they are our things to fix. And so if there's something wrong with me, if there's something wrong with the way I'm interacting with my child, then that's my thing to work on, my thing to own, my thing to fix. When actually we heal in community with others. <laughs> we heal by uh, seeing other people process information and asking questions that we didn't even know we had and uh, and contributing to that conversation and letting that information percolate a little bit and coming back and sharing something. And when we're missing that in our personal lives, it can be really helpful to have that in an online forum as we're on this healing journey. I love that. I love that, that mm -hmm. idea first that gaining just becoming aware of maybe that we're triggered, that it's not our child or us, you know, mm -hmm. and maybe why and getting curious and exploring the why so that maybe we just feel less taken by surprise by it. We can slowly, as you usually talk about, and I'd love you to expand on that window of tolerance and that pause where we get to the how, but also just saying um, that this isn't a solo project. This is also, mm -hmm. there's so much healing work and improvement and, and connection to be done with others, that that is part of the process too, mm -hmm. which is what we love so much about the workshop. I just keep thinking yeah. though, I'm like, give the people what they want. They're like, what do I do to stop <laughs> yelling? Like, how do I, we know why we want to stop, right? Yeah. We, where it came from, but how to actually do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, so, so teach a 10 week workshop in the next 20 minutes is what you're saying. <laughs> Magic bullet, silver uh -huh. bullet. Yes. Or we, can, we can, we can give it a shot. <laughs> 
Yeah. So, um, so you, you, you gave a couple of key terms, right? Window of tolerance, which is this idea that there's this window that we're operating in. And for those of you who are listening, I'm, I'm making sort of two parallel lines with my hands. And you can imagine that when things are going well, you're sort of, you know, you're bouncing around a little bit. You're regulating up, regulating down. Uh, things are happening that are putting you slightly off kilter, but you're able to come back to center again. And you're feeling fairly calm and collected and things are going well. And so we want to stay within those two horizontal lines within that window of tolerance. Um, but there are plenty of things in our lives that push us outside. And so when that happens, we go, whoa, way outside that top line. We go up into hyper arousal. We're yelling, we're screaming, we're throwing things, we're getting you know, super amped up. Or maybe we drop down below that lower line and we're freezing. And maybe we're fawning. We're trying to do anything we can to get our child to stop screaming, stop crying, whatever it is that's, that's making us react in this way or that seems like it's making us react in this way. And a lot of us spend our lives bouncing in between these two states. Some, sometimes a, a person's uh, response will always be in the hypo arousal, the, the freeze. Sometimes a person will always go to hypo arousal, the yelling. Sometimes we'll bounce between the two. It depends on uh, temperament, personality, the things that you, the, the coping tools that you developed in your childhood. And uh, so what, what we think is happening is, okay, I'm in the regulated zone. Boom, my child explodes. My child does this thing. And that's what pushes me in and out. But when we look further back than just today <laughs> or yesterday or when our child was born, we see that at some point we experienced some kind of trauma. Um, and that pushed us out of our window of tolerance. And we developed some kind of coping mechanism to bring us back. You know, I talk about the experience I had with my dad. My coping me mechanism was to pretend I wasn't there. So now whenever I'm in some kind of conflict situation, my, my mind is gone. Like I'm zoned out. I'm not there. Um, and so that's my coping mechanism. Whatever your coping mechanism will be different based on, based on your experiences. And so that, that coping mechanism served me in that period of life. It kept me safe. It's no longer serving me today. It's not helpful to me anymore today. But our, we haven't caught up with that, right? We, we learned this thing and it's kept us safe for so long. And so we're like, I don't know what else to do. I'm just going to keep doing it because I don't know how to do anything else. And so what we're trying to do is to uh, help us to be more regulated so we can stay within that window of tolerance to start. So let me pause there and then we'll go into some of the specific techniques uh, when you're in a difficult moment. I'm guessing you're, you're going to want to go there. <laughs> I love that, that just everything you said there and explained, it just, it, it makes so much sense and really calms me about feelings, which I think for all of us, we're trying to normalize the feelings and the, the vast spectrum of them for our kids. But then when we have our own feelings, they can feel so unsafe in our bodies. And we have feelings about our kids' feelings and then they have feelings about our feelings and it can go back and forth a lot. And I like that you also talked about just bouncing from, from kind of one, uh, you know, um, physiological response to the next. And it also made me think about bouncing as far as like how a lot of us, I think, show up, especially in our community. A lot of folks are very conscious about the parenting they want to be doing. And they're aware of the experiences they had in their childhood, like very aware. And um, so they might make a decision like, I've decided I'm not going to yell and I'm not going to be too firm and I'm right. not going to get stern and I'm not going to do those things and that I get, experience. I'm going to let go more. I'm going to allow, or I'm going to do these things because I don't want to get mad and I don't want to respond the way my parents did. Mm -hmm. But then little by little, 
it's like they're we're white knuckling it mm -hmm. and then we get to a point where we explode and so it's almost like a lot of folks tell us like we can't win hannah kelsey like mm -hmm. we try so hard and it's like we know and our kids know just wait just wait a few more minutes just an action or something she's she's yeah. holding it together but she's gonna end up screaming and so that's something a lot of folks end up coming to us about being like i'm trying but how do i what happened what am i missing here basically yeah yeah. So before we get to the actual specifics of what do I do in these moments, I think what's really important that I've seen happen in so many parents is that we focus so much on knowledge in our culture. Um, and that if you have knowledge, then all the other thing you need to apply is willpower. And knowledge plus willpower equals change. <laughs> and so if you have the knowledge, right, because you know how you want to parent and you haven't made the change, then clearly it's a failure of willpower on your part. And what I see working with all of these parents is that it's not up here that the magic happens. It's in here. It's in our bodies. Because in our culture, we're taught that anything that happens below here, below the neck, is ir irrelevant at best <laughs> and useless at worst. So we may as well just ignore it because all of our relevant information is coming from our heads. And so this is important for two reasons. Firstly, what we're looking for is a shift in our felt sense. Um, and so for those of you who are watching, who were on the workshop that I hosted uh, last Saturday, we talked through an example of a parent uh, whose name is N, and she's allowed me to share her story if I, if I identify her by her first name. And she grew up with an, an alcoholic parent and a uh, you know, very, very traumatic childhood and said, I, I have been in therapy for years. All the therapists say, you know, how's your relationship with your mother? And she's like, why is it always about my mother? And she said, I knew I had to forgive my mother, but it couldn't just come from here. She said, I had to be forgiveness. Mm -hmm. And for the first time in my life through reading all of uh, all these parents introductions like on our very first day in taming your triggers we come and introduce ourselves and say what are our triggers she's reading all this and seeing all of these parents doing the best they can and all of a sudden she's able to picture her parent as a confused 20 something with a whole lot of unprocessed trauma doing the best that she could and she didn't convince herself of anything at all in her head she had this felt shift, this non-cognitive shift. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Actually just telling the story and getting goosebumps. She had this non-cognitive shift where something was different about her experience. And she felt forgiveness. And she she forgave her mom. She sent us this little text conversation because her mom was out of town. And she told us what she'd said. And her mom said, you know, thank you. This is such a weight lifted off my shoulders. And now all of that trauma that Anne had been carrying around in her interactions with her child, you know, that, that had been there on her back in every interaction when her child is having a hard time, that weight is gone. And now she's able to show up from a place that's aligned with her values. So I'll pause there. And then I want to talk a little bit about how our bodies know that we're, we're about to be triggered. <laughs> That's what I want to get to yeah. it. Just, it's such goosebumps. I think that acknowledging the fact that in our culture, we are prioritizing thinking, uh, writing, talking. We just need to think yes. more, write more, talk more, work harder, right? Mm -hmm. And yeah. we completely discount that we just need to feel into a lot of this stuff. Mm -hmm. And I think so much about it, like you said, is because we grow up really disconnected from our bodies, but also maybe because those somatic responses when we're triggered can feel very dangerous to us because yeah. of that disconnect or because of the lack of integrating those experiences. And so I like that idea of saying, what are, the, how do you define a somatic response, Jen? And how, how do you work with that? I usually yeah. think of it as a red 
tag. But I think what you're also saying is, is that it can be also a life raft because if you, it's saying pay attention to me so you can work on me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it kind of become that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think the key to this, uh, and maybe we can use a, a, a question from one of your listeners that that came up and where they were talking about, you know, I have two boys and, and they're at each other's throats all the time. And, and I just explode when that's happening. And so it might seem like, well, the problem here is that is the kids fighting with each other. And that's the moment when we need to step in. And I think your, your listener had said that they, they refuse all, uh, all offers of help to, to navigate that situation. But that situation didn't come out of nowhere. That situation has been brewing <laughs> for some time. That situation might have started at breakfast when so-and-so got the green spoon and so-and-so and -so wanted the red spoon or whatever happened there. And maybe it was building and building. And maybe there were also things that were going on for you. There were needs that you had that were not being met. And so all through the morning, you're like, yeah, I wanted to have my breakfast undisturbed, but I got up and I got you the green spoon and you're still not freaking grateful. <laughs> and so there's all these resentments and frustrations building for you throughout the day. And so, you know, it gets to three o'clock in the afternoon and the boys are starting to get to each other and you're already ramped up because you haven't seen that you had unmet needs throughout the day. And so you weren't able to address those. And so now all of a sudden we've got what seems like this huge conflagration that comes out of nowhere when actually there have been these signals coming throughout the day that if we just knew how to pay attention to our bodies when they're saying, hey, I have a need here. I'm feeling frustrated right now. Something about this is not working for me. Then we would be able to interrupt that cycle in the morning and reset the tone for the day. So we never get to the point in the day when our kids are at each other's throat trying to get our attention because mm -hmm. chances are it's not something between the two of them that's really happening. It's something about their relationship with us or something else that's going on that that is what caused that that uh, blow up to happen. Yeah, the, the, mm -hmm. the woman that wrote in about those two brothers just like the air crackling and them not being able to pull apart from each other and she intensity growing between them but I love that you point out that there's an intensity growing throughout that whole process for her as well and I think yep. that some people in our community are are working so hard to keep their kids awareness building to keep their kids connected to their bodies to their inner uh, wisdom and authority and mm. to their needs to all those things and I think the secondary work that all of us have been realizing is we need to be doing that work on ourselves too at the same time and that's a gift that parenting in this way or attempting to parent in this way is giving us is saying, if I believe that my child deserves this, or if I believe that I want them to, to live in this beautiful existence with their nervous system and their body and their mind and their heart and their soul, how can I be giving myself those gifts and that grace as well? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I want it too. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, we really do. We're a critical part of the process too. Mm -hmm. It's also, it's not just what we deserve, but it's what our kids deserve from sure. us if we're going to be breaking these, these kind of intergenerational cycles, right? Mm -hmm. So I love that you're talking about awareness of where our triggers are and then awareness of even just how these challenges arise and noticing awareness, mm -hmm. uh, what could be playing and, and kind of contributing, contributing to our kids' experience and to our experience, not mm -hmm. from our past, but also from the present. And so how do we start noticing that? that I'm sure that's a big focus in the Tame Your Triggers workshop. Yeah, yeah, it's one of the key things we focus on. Um, and I meet so many parents who really just have no idea how they feel. Like you ask them what's happening in their body and they're like, 
I don't know. <laughs> because we have been trained not to pay attention. Um, and so just that process of paying attention to ourselves, maybe several times a day, maybe if, you know, I grew up in England, so you know, when, when you make tea, <laughs> or maybe if you go to the bathroom many times a day, whatever it is that you do routinely during the day, just take a minute while you're doing that to say, how am I doing? Wait, what's present right now? What's here right now? Oh, I'm feeling tension in my shoulders. What's that about? Um, what need is not being met right now? What's going on between my partner and me? Or what's what's happening at work? Or what, what's happening with my child? Some, something isn't right here. Wait, what's, what's going on with that? And I'm explaining it sort of in a very verbal way, but this is actually sort of a very nonverbal process that, that um, asking this question of ourselves is really something that, that happens through looking to understand our experience rather than, again, trying to process it up in our heads. So mm -hmm. I think that's, that's a really important part of the process. And then that's what helps you to start interrupting the cycle. But of course, you're still going to get into situations when <laughs> you feel triggered or flooded. And flooded is the term that we use when there hasn't been trauma involved. Um, but the, the, the feeling is very similar, the, the explosive feeling the I, I can't handle what's happening right now. Mm -hmm. um, and so the other, the other really big thing that we focus on in the workshop is creating a pause. Because right now, when your child does something, and you react, it, it seems like the two are stuck together. There is no space in between those two things. And so how could you possibly make a choice about what to do? <laughs> you can't because there's no space. But you can actually work to create that space. And there's a number of uh, simple tools that you can use. Many are related to uh, grounding techniques that psychologists teach patients. Um, so you can, touching the surface that's in front of you is, is an incredibly useful one because it immediately, you know, it's, it's something different. I'm reaching out, I'm touching the table in front of me. It feels smooth, it feels cool. Okay, what's that like? Um, all right, now I'm focused on what's the sensations that are coming in through my hands and all of a sudden my mind isn't going 300 miles an hour anymore about how I'm a failure as a parent and how my child needs to learn this lesson or they're not gonna succeed in the world um, and I'm back here in the present and then I can breathe. And in that moment of that breath is when you can make a decision about how you want to respond to your child. And from there, you can say something like, we're having a hard time right now, huh? <laughs> right? And you're not trying to stuff your feelings down. You're not trying to pretend you're not angry. You can even say, I'm feeling really angry right now because that is true for you. And when we hide that, it's super confusing for our children. If we're saying, I'm not angry, I'm fine, <laughs> then our children are learning that they can't trust themselves. They, they can't trust their own assessment of what's going on in another person. So we're not stuffing it down and pretending. We are absolutely acknowledging what's here for us. But if we can create that pause using techniques like grounding, um, looking at the thing, maybe looking around a room and see all the things you can see that are purple, uh, counting things. So different people have different techniques that work well for them. Keeping a hair tie on one wrist and transferring it to the other wrist. Um, the, the hair tie is the physical reminder of what's important to you and the action takes a couple of seconds. And so then you can, that, that helps you to create the pause. And from there, okay, now how do I want to respond to my child? I'm not just reacting, I'm now responding to my child. Mm -hmm. I love that so much. I love that you bring up this topic that we connect with some of our coaching community about as well, which is practice in the easy moments. Practice when you're making <laughs> going pee, practice when you're standing up to stretch for a second to, to tune into what's going on and to connect to yourself, space. create some space, even if you don't need it so that mm -hmm. in the 
That's when you do need that space. Maybe you've got a little muscle memory there. Maybe it comes a little more easily. I love that. Mm -hmm. And I also love the pic the idea of me being really upset at my kids and basically just like screaming numbers, like one, two, three, four, like <laughs> my house. They're going to be like, what are you doing? What's going but it's on? Not them, it's, it's not at them, which is not at them. They'll be really right? happy about that. But <laughs> that happen a lot where, where kids kind of give their parents a reaction. Like, what are you doing? You're moving band you're tapping your leg you're not doing a scripted situation where i do this and then you do this i say this and mm -hmm. then you say this someone just asked when this started it started around four forty-five or yeah. so olivia but we're gonna have this recorded and you can dive in anytime yeah yeah so yeah yeah uh, we actually see a number of parents will talk with their children about what they're learning and that's super super powerful because it invites your children along this journey of understanding hey i'm not perfect as a parent which is super scary for us to say right because <laughs> we're supposed to have this front that says i know what i'm doing <laughs> and, and never let that guard down whereas when we do let that guard down and we invite our child into this process we can say hey the way my parents raise me is nothing like the way that I want to be in this relationship with you. And I, I don't know what I'm doing. And sometimes I respond in a way that I, that I don't like. And I'm trying to change that. And I'm trying to do that differently. And here's, here you, and so you may see me switching this hair tie over. Um, one, one of the, the most fabulous stories I, I have uh, heard from somebody who's been through Taming Your Triggers. And again, she gave me permission to share this. Um, she was, she had been through the workshop. Her daughter knew about it. They've been practicing the tools. She, they're trying to get out the door in the morning. Her daughter's stalling for some reason that the parent doesn't understand yet. And the parent says, if you don't put your shoes on right now, I'm going to take a really deep breath and re-regulate myself. <laughs> <laughs> and the two of them just collapse into laughter because <laughs> they both know exactly what's happening here. And, the, you know, the, the tension is gone. The tension is completely diffused. And the child sees, hey, my parent is still messing up and is still not perfect. And that is still OK. And and the child is still thinking, I know that my relationship with my parent is the most important thing to them <laughs> and that they are working on this so hard and that we can do hard things. And because I see my parent doing hard things, I know I can do hard things too. So, um, so these moments are so valuable for so many reasons. Oh, I love that. The, the notion we talk about so often that we're all growing up together and that we can bring our kids in on this journey of self-regulation to co-regulation right? This is a process. It's not going to look perfect. I think when we think of mindfulness, we're like on a yoga mat and it's super privileged. <laughs> and also just be in yeah. these moments mm -hmm. before a challenge when we're practicing. Mm -hmm. During a challenge, if we can start practicing to take that pause. Mm -hmm. And then after the moment when we can think about it, hold that moment in our minds, repair with our child and show that mindfulness of saying, I'm, I'm going to process what happened because nothing is perfect and we're all doing this together. Yeah. Right? How does that work with folks in your Taming Your Triggers community throughout the course? Um, 10 weeks is a long time to be practicing, yeah. to be still losing their shit with their kids, to be <laughs> struggling through all of it. So how does that work in terms of finding ways to repair and, and kind of trying to um, it like get rid of the, the guilt and shame that come with not like getting it all right away and it being a practice. Yeah. And I, I think 
there, there's really no getting rid of the guilt and shame. There's, there's learning to navigate the guilt and shame more effectively, I think. And, uh, and potentially a non-cognitive shift there as well, where when you see hundreds of other parents introducing themselves, that can be a big shift on the guilt and shame front. Um, when, because a big, a big component of shame is I'm alone. I'm the only one who has not figured this out. And I saw it right as I was logging on, somebody said, it's such a relief to know that I'm not the only person who's struggling with this. Um, so when we can see that there are other people here in this with us, when we can see that making mistakes is part of the human experience, that we are never going to be perfect, that that is okay, then we can bring a sense of self-compassion to ourselves and say, you know what, given the things I've been through and what today was like, it's no wonder I'm struggling right now. <laughs> Any reasonable person would struggle and that's okay. And that doesn't stop me from knowing that I want to do things differently and making plans to put, put in place maybe a different grounding practice or maybe I shouldn't have taken so many calls today if I'm triggered by my child as soon as they walk in the door or you know, what can I do to uh, resource myself more effectively so that uh, these situations are, are not cropping up so regularly. Um, and then on the repair front, yeah, abs absolutely. Um, I think a big part of that is, is what we mentioned already about saying, I'm, admitting that I'm not perfect. Mm -hmm. And then another piece of it is related to um, a, a, a storytelling technique. So there's, I think, a really big tendency when we mess up is to just kind of forget about it and hope everybody else forgets about it and pretend it didn't happen. Because <laughs> if, if, I, if I don't acknowledge it, then it probably didn't happen, right? And, and everybody else will just, will, will just forget. And that's obviously, of course, not the case because we all have these, these memories from our childhood that stick out in our minds. Um, my, I, one of mine I remember particularly was I committed the cardinal sin of turning up the heat in my bedroom from a two to a six on our radiator. And it, it, radiators take a long time to heat up. And six hours later, I got caught. <laughs> and I had to confess my sin to my father. And that was like, the, there was no beating, there was no, you know, physical punishment, but the shame of having to admit what I had done stuck with me to this day. And this is, you know, 35 years ago. Um, so, so how could we have addressed that? Well, we can tell the story of what happened with our children. We can say, oh my goodness, I was coming out of the shower and I, I was in a hurry because I don't like to keep grandma and grandpa waiting. And I came out and there was glitter all over the floor and I shouted at you. <laughs> what was that like when I shouted and, and waiting for our child to, to chime in if they can and tell their part of the story. Oh, oh yeah, that was super scary, wasn't it? Yeah, I can see that that was scary for you. Um, I, I, you were probably just trying to have some fun with the glitter while you didn't have anything else to do, right? Yeah, and, and it's really hard for me to see all that on the floor and to know that it's going to be tracked around the house for weeks and weeks. <sighs> I'm really trying hard not to, to yell when I, when I feel that way. And next time I'm going to put a hair tie on my wrist to remind myself of what's really important because you're the most important thing to me. And then throughout that, we're, we're asking for a child, you know, what's going on for you? Um, and, and really giving them a chance to understand what's happening here uh, so that we then move forward into, okay, what are we going to do? Would you, would you mind helping me clean up the glitter? So we're not punishing our child for the glitter on the floor. I mean, that's, that's emotion regulation 101, right? As you, <laughs> you leave glitter out with a four-year-old who loves glitter, it's probably going to get on the floor. Um, punishing the child doesn't achieve anything at all, but maybe they would be willing to help us clean up 
and then we could put the glitter out of reach and uh, and we would have repaired the relationship with our child. So this doesn't come to be something that they explain on Instagram Live in 35 years. Who knows what we'll be doing instead of Instagram Lives in 35 years. <laughs> Getting an idea for how people feel in community with you, hearing you even just go through a hypothetical repair moment. I feel like I was repaired even just hearing that for all of my glitter moments throughout my entire life. <laughs> As a child like, and a parent. And a parent. <laughs> like just hearing, hearing that feels so nourishing to me. Mm -hmm. So thank you for that. Mm -hmm. yeah. I feel like, I mean, just having the opportunity to talk to you about this. And we've taken the Taming Your Triggers <laughs> workshop before. And I know a lot of folks, I've seen a lot of familiar faces mm -hmm. on here, have also taken it before. Um, mm -hmm. How many people take it a second time like we? Because <laughs> those things that are so unique to... to the person and their process and then so right. unique community that arrives and shares it could be something you do all the time i think mm -hmm. in our culture it's just like this one and done you achieve and you graduate oh and yeah <laughs> and it's just like what about, about evolution that's not and, how the gym yeah. works that's not how therapy works yeah. like these are lifelong investments in our growth our growth of our relationship with our child mm -hmm. their growth all the things yeah yeah, that's kind of a funny story there, actually. Um, there are plenty of parents who do it once and who get what they need. And I'm so happy when that happens. <laughs> and then there are other parents who end up taking it more than once. I actually, I, I was sort of monitoring who was signing up. This was the last time we, we reopened. I was monitoring who was signing up and I saw somebody who had signed up. I think it was four times already. And I, did, I got this this hot flush of shame. And I'm thinking... If I'm any good as a teacher, why is this person enrolling in this workshop where the content, you know, I, I fiddle with it because I can't help myself, but the content is pretty similar each time. There must be something about what I'm doing that is not working for this person because they have to keep coming back. And then, of course, what I realize is why is it taking me so many decades to figure this out? It's not about me. <laughs> this person was getting something unique out of this experience each time. What we often find is that we have such inbuilt defense mechanisms that when we get to something that's scary, our brain says, oh, I, I don't have time for this right now. I'm, I'm really busy and I'm just going to put it off. I'm going to put off this little homework for tomorrow and then oh, maybe to the next day and then to the next week. And then, oh, I can't I can't go in the community and ask a question now because I'm behind. I should have asked this question last week. And then, oh, well, I, I can't get caught back up. I don't have time. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just going to set it aside and I'm not going to do anything more. And it probably wouldn't have worked anyway. Right. It wouldn't have done anything. And so our brains create these stories to rationalize to us why uh, why we shouldn't work on this thing. And then maybe the next time we see it come around, we're like, oh, okay, I, I'm ready. I'm ready for something different. And we get a couple of modules further along. Maybe we, um, this, this person who has done this many times now um, put in some extra support mechanisms, got some dinners prepared in advance, scheduled an ex extra session with their therapist and was able to make more progress. Next time, a little bit more. Next time, signed up for the coaching calls and, and had a non-cognitive shift related to, okay, yes, I know how to pull myself out of difficult situations now in the moment on one of these coaching calls. And now she's coming back as a peer coach <laughs> for this time. So you now get all of those benefits of this person who's been through this workshop so many times and done all this learning. And she is going to come back and help people who are joining this time. Amazing. That's incredible. And continue to learn through peer coaching, which is mm -hmm. so amazing. Exactly. Yeah. To learn 
happening. And I feel like this is, this makes complete sense that we would be talking about this and you would be experiencing this based on the, our beliefs about education and learning mm -hmm. and how this is lifelong. This isn't just one and yeah. done. Oh, just take this, this course and everything will be perfect, but this is a critical. You'll be fixed. Right. For a lot of folks, for us and so many people in our community is saying this is a step in, in a direction that's going to feel really good mm -hmm. and that's going to be leading you to that next step and that next step and that next step mm -hmm. that's unique to your own journey. Yeah, we, we took some questions from um, our community and one of the questions was, I am spread really thin right now. Mm -hmm. And how, how can I justify this to myself if I feel like I can't move things around or how do I get my partner on board if they're like, you're not even going to watch them right now, but you just want to pay for it now and then go through it later at your leisure so you don't miss it. You know, what do you usually say to folks who have questions about that? How much time? Yeah. All those things. The, you get one email a week for the 10 weeks and they are short. <laughs> they are concise. Um, there's a homework assignment that you might spend 15 to 20 minutes on. And there'll be a video in, in our learning platform, which will take you, most of them are five to 10 minutes. There's one that's 24 minutes, but it has a mindfulness exercise built into it. So that's a, that's a special one. Um, so the time commitment here is not high. Um, if you want to be involved in our community, that's, I mean, we talked, we talked about learning a community, healing a community. That's where the magic happens. Um, and so you may decide to pay for access to it now and you will get the information and you will have access to that forever. And yes, you're welcome to do it, uh, at, at your leisure. But I will say that you're going to get half of the value maybe if you're not in the community if you don't sign up to get what we call an account buddy which is a, a a peer who um is is in is going to be in touch with you on a regular basis and you're going to hold each other gently accountable to stay on track because you know that you're there to support each other and when we see people uh, take that step of signing up for an account buddy. Um, maybe, maybe even signing up for the coaching calls if you know that you need extra support. They meet uh, every other week uh, during the 10 weeks of the workshop. And what we see is when, when people invest in that, then they make progress. They, they make so much progress. And what I'll say right now is that if you are spending a lot of time fighting with your child, if bedtime is taking an hour every night of why aren't you staying in your bedroom? It's time for bed. I need my time right now. Um, if you can't get your child into or out of the bath, if all of these things are a struggle, just getting out of the house in the morning, if that's a struggle, I mean, you're going to save the amount of time it takes you to work on the workshop in the first week <laughs> because of the tools that you're going to learn to widen your window of tolerance, um, to understand what your child's needs are so that you can actually see those and meet those, understand what your needs are so you can see them and meet them. And, and you're not just saving all of that time, which is, you know, a gift in itself, but you're just in the world in a completely different space that is not anxiety level eight all the time, that is ratcheting that down and just uh, being in the world in a, in a calm, collected way that says, yeah, I got this. I can do this. I love that. I love that you're giving, I mean, us mm -hmm. in these moments and so many folks hope. I think oftentimes we can so easily lose sight that this, that's just what parenting is. It should just be a constant fight and a constant struggle. And we believe that of our society because of our lack of support from partners and community and, and other uh, family and friends. Mm -hmm. And I think that saying that it, it's going to be okay and that it can get better 
is, is just a huge vote of confidence at, that, that people can take that step and that doing this can help move them in that right direction. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Question in terms of community, a couple of people asked like, so is this primarily moms? What is it? And I mean, gender identity aside, is it primary caregivers? Is it, are there a lot of secondary caregivers? Are there a lot of grandparents? Are there teachers? Nannies, teachers? What, what's the makeup within the community? Yeah, I would say the primary group is uh, female identifying parents of children aged between roughly two and roughly 10. Mm -hmm. um, so so that, that's sort of the primary group. But there's certainly a lot of other people um, who, are, are, who are participating as well. Um, every year we get somebody who says, well, my relationship with my kids is fine. My relationship with my parents is kind of crummy or with my spouse needs a lot of work. Will this help? Um, and so, yes, we, those people come in too. We do, I, I, because of my science-based uh, background, I tend to attract more male identifying parents <laughs> than the average uh, parenting course workshop. And so, yes, every year we do get a, a chunk of dads and, and some of them want to be accountability buddies with a dad and that is, that is central to their experience. Others are like, yeah, I don't care. It doesn't, doesn't matter that, that much to me. Um, we do get grandparents who are, um, who are, who are caregivers, primary or otherwise for their children. Um, we get people from all over the world speaking all different languages. Right now we have an inquiry for some, from someone in France saying, do you have other French people signed up? Cause I speak primarily French. Um, so if you are French speaking and you're thinking about this, then hop on in cause we've got an accountant buddy waiting for you. <laughs> so, um, many, many Spanish speakers every year. So, um, chances are there will be somebody who has uh, some kind of parallel to your experience. And even if their, their experience wasn't exactly the same, being buddies with someone isn't dependent on having had the same life history as them. So what you'll probably find is that you get something out of being paired up with somebody, even if their experiences don't exactly mirror yours. Mm. I love that. And so and couples can sign up for it just as one purchase as well. Is that right? Okay. Um, they can. Yes. I, I always offer sliding scale pricing uh, in whatever I do. And so I would say if you are a couple and you both recognize that you really, <clears throat> that you really need this, um, you can sign up as one unit if you want to at the higher price. What I encourage you to do though, is if finances are a concern is to sign both of you up at one of the lower prices. Um, because then you get your own login, you can get your own account buddy, you know, you get a different experience. And I do encourage partners to not be each other's accountability because each of you has so much invested in this relationship that you can't be a truly objective listening partner for the other one. It's really helpful to have somebody who's on the other side of the world who you're never going to run into in the supermarket that you can really, I mean, you can spill your guts to that person and just know that it's not going to come back and bite you on the butt. Mm. Um, and that, that person is not your partner <laughs> and they need that person for themselves too. Just I'm that sure. in itself is just the biggest <laughs> gift. Like this parental <laughs> Talk to another adult Where during I think the day. Like, I like, think Kelsey's my accountant buddy, but like I'm probably draining her. Because we run she's... into each other at the store all the time. <laughs> <laughs> it's inconvenient, right? <laughs> she knows all your stuff. <laughs> no, they're sending him like, why did you do this? And da 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 da. Like, I, clearly, we don't have the, the necessary pattern for an accountant buddy where you can listen non judgmentally and separate their experience from your experience and i think that that that's just such a brilliant feature of the the workshop it's just it's so cool yeah what do you tell people when they're just like why should i invest in this right now what's the bigger picture the immediate yeah. picture we always bring things back to sanity and social change mm -hmm. the the moment now with the family the greater 
future. How would you define that and how your triggers can kind of work um, both of those? Yeah. yeah. I would say, gosh, darn it, you already snagged sanity and social change. <laughs> because that's what it's about, ultimately. Um, it, it's about uh, parenting for sanity today. Because the reason that you are exploding at your child is because of these experiences that you've had. And yes, our society conditions us. This is just what parenting's like. Your kid does something you're not supposed to and you bring them into line. Um, somebody posted in the comments earlier, our society conditions us that women are supposed to be all giving and not have any needs. Yes, it does. And that, that does not mean that it has to be like that. We can choose to be in a different relationship in our family. And that's what brings the sanity. When my needs are met as a person and my child's needs are seen and met, and the two of those are held with equal care and weight, and we work together to meet both of our needs, then we get to a place where we're arriving at that sanity today, um, where parenting just gets easier. And then the social change part, I mean, this, this is the reason I do this work is because if I believe that if we can raise a generation of children to understand what my needs are and what your needs are, and again, to hold those with equal care and weight, then we are raising a generation who are potentially going to be able to address the challenges that we, that our generation have failed to address. Um, and that you can't be in a, a patriarchal sort of top-down hierarchical white supremacist based uh, racist relationship with somebody else when you truly respect them when you see their needs as a person and you hold their needs with equal care and weight as your own so yeah the, this i mean you <laughs> you already have the flipping tagline <laughs> and that's what it's about <laughs> you know us we're all about the the platitudes and the alliteration yeah the alliteration <laughs> branding and the colors and stuff but like, and it's perfect so that's the problem <laughs> and and really just acknowledge that you have like the the content about that that is really saying how to do that mm -hmm. yeah. a huge huge step in that that we just feel so grateful to to be able to offer to our community to feel connected with you about mm -hmm. um and if anyone has any questions you can dm us about this our link in bio has all you need to know and show notes. um and show notes yeah for the podcast mm -hmm. about um how to learn more how to sign up how to do all the things and just take one little step at a time moving mm -hmm. forward work we it out <laughs> we don't have to think <laughs> just is this something that i i need and something mm -hmm. that i want that's as far as we need to think about right and, and the rest will really work itself out in ways. And if you're concerned about it, talk to us about it. We want to connect. And I know, Jen, you do too. Um, yeah. yeah. I guess just one, one more thing on that, uh, you know, should I spend this money on myself? <laughs> um, I, I hear that all the time from parents. And, and I uh, was talking with somebody who has a, a business podcast about taming your triggers and told her the price. And her, her jaw hit the floor. She's like, it's 10 weeks and you're in there every day supporting it. And it's how much? <laughs> and she just couldn't believe that it was offered for that price. And I said, but women and mothers don't feel justified at spending this money on ourselves. Um, I, I have a friend who said, you know, I, she, her, a friend of hers lives in a, a fancy house in a nice neighborhood and has a, a dining room table piled with Amazon packages of stuff for her kids. And she won't spend anything on herself. And so if you need to justify it by saying this is for my kids, then it is, it's for your kids, but really it's for you. And 
I, I never like saying you deserve it because that's somebody else can say, no, you don't. But, but we do. We, we, we have value in this world. We exist in that. We have value just by existing. We don't have to prove our value, our worth to anybody. Um, and, and, and I would say we, we need to be able to acknowledge that and to own that. And that if this is the first step in that direction, <laughs> then grab it, take it, and we will be there holding your hand through the workshop as you build this sense of worth, this sense of value in yourself. Mm, love it. Perfect. Ending. We're cheering one yeah. another on all around. Katie said, love this workshop last year. It was so helpful. Thanks to all three of you for the great content. Thank you. Come back. See us again if you'd like to. <laughs> if you need it. It was really great. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I, I always love talking with the two of you, and we could certainly continue for a long time if we wanted to. But <laughs> you're bath going, so we should probably yeah. get into that <laughs> soon. <laughs> Sounds good. Thanks so much for having me. All thanks, right, Jen. Bye. 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 That was awesome. That was fun. Jen's the best. I was just thinking, like, the fear that I had going into that course wasn't that I didn't deserve it or wasn't that like it was too much money or anything. It was more that if I signed up for that course, it would be acknowledging that I have triggers to tame. It would be acknowledging in some way that I had like a problem or something. And I think that, that what Jen gives through that community and through her amazing presence is saying that we all struggle and it's okay. It's all okay. And that the first step to growth and to liberation in a huge way is that acknowledgement mm -hmm. is clicking by this course is saying, yes, mm -hmm. I have some growing to do. Thank goodness. Right. Right. You can't heal if you're not acknowledging that shit is hard. Right. So we all, sorry, low battery. Yeah. We've been talking all day here. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think that, what was I saying? We all want to heal. We all want to yeah. heal. We're all on this journey together. We're so grateful that you're here along with us. Whether this feels like uh, the Taming Your Triggers workshop feels like it's the right time for you or not, um, this is the work we're doing here on Instagram, on the podcast. We're going to keep going with it. And we're so grateful that you are growing up alongside us through it all. If you have any questions about uh, just triggers, what we talked about tonight, how mm -hmm. we can support you through our small group coaching, through this triggers workshop that we're promoting, through DM, through anything, we're here. You are not alone. You're doing an incredible job. You should feel really proud of yourself. Um, we're all in this together. Yeah. We'll see you all soon. See you soon. Thanks again. Bye.